0: What's going on friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavier, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my good friend, Michael Trainer. Michael is the co-creator of Global Citizen, a huge music festival dedicated to ending poverty around the world. And he's also the founder of Peak Mind, which helps people achieve peak performance through meditation. But over the next hour, we're going to zero in on Alzheimer's disease, specifically what it's like to have a loved one with the condition. Now, before we get into it, some statistics. Alzheimer's disease is now America's number one most feared disease. In the past 10 years, deaths from Alzheimer's are related to men have increased 70%. Worldwide, 45 million people are living with dementia, and by 2050, that number will rise to 135 million. In the U.S. alone, one in three seniors will die of the disease or another dementia, and it will cost the nation $203 billion this year. Finally, if you make it to the age of 85 today, you have a 50% chance of being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and no medications have been shown to prevent or cure it. Statistics aside, it's a condition that is massively sad and stressful for caregivers and family, and this podcast with Michael is going to give you a sense of what that's like. I definitely think it's going to be uh, quite enriching for you to listen to. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is my friends at Perfect Keto. Just before recording this, I sampled the latest batch of their salted caramel keto bars, which I have to admit are quite delicious. They have 11 grams of protein from a combination of organic almond butter and and grass-fed collagen. They've got one gram of sugar, no added sugar, and about 9 grams of dietary fiber and 18 grams of ketogenic fat from MCT oil powder, which provides a very clean burning fuel source to the brain in the form of ketone bodies. Now, I'm a big fan of most of the products that uh, Perfect Keto makes. You can go to their website and check out their whey protein powders, their collagen protein powders, or even their MCT oil powders that have matcha included, which is actually quite delicious. If you want to check out anything from them, go to perfectketo.com slash max20, or use promo code MAX20, and you'll get to save 20% off of everything on their website. That's a lot of cheddar, you guys. Again, it's promo code MAX20, and um, yeah, check them out. All right, guys, so we're just seconds away from a chat with Mr. Michael Traynor. Um, before we get into it, I just want to let you know about the three key ways that you can really show your love for the genius life. One is by going to my website at maxlugovier.com and by joining my newsletter. All you got to do is enter your first and last name, and that'll allow us to be in touch in a way that is unbeholden to the algorithms of the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world. I'll have a direct pipeline to your brain so that I could let you know about all the projects that I'm working on, products that I think that you might be interested in, or science that 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 might help you improve your life in a potentially dramatic way. You can opt out at any time and I do not share your email address with anybody. The other thing that you can do to support this podcast is by going to iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show and by leaving a rating and review. That helps to draw new listeners to the show, and that's a very good thing. On a related note, the third and final way that you can support this podcast is by sharing it on social media. Take a screen grab of the show, throw it up on your Instagram stories or on your feed, tweet a link out on Twitter, share it on Facebook, that would mean the world to me, and um you know, you'd know, you be helping me grow this community, which in a way is paying it forward in terms of all the great things that hopefully you are gleaning from the genius life. You'll be helping uh, enrich somebody else's life with that knowledge as well. All right, guys, without further ado, I'm excited to get into it with um, my friend Michael. So uh, strap on your seatbelt. Here we go. Michael Trainer, thank well, you for being here, man.
1: What's up, my friend? It's great to
0: be here with you. Welcome to the genius life. <laughs> I love the genius life. Yeah, baby. Well, you're one of my close friends, so I could not turn down the opportunity to have you on to talk about your life and your journey as of late cuz we we have a lot in common, you and I. Yes, we do. Yeah. So, why don't you just, you know, introduce yourself to my audience? You have done a lot of things in the entrepreneurial space. You are a uh, you know, your all of your professional work is tethered to social impact, which is something that I really appreciate. Um, and when we met, you were working with uh, Global Citizen Fest. Yes. Yeah, and the yeah. Global Poverty Project. That's right. That's what it's called. Yeah. Okay, so what is all that?
1: Yeah, so I, we we met actually, I was thinking about it because it's been almost 10 years, um, at Summit Series in 2010 when you were doing current television. Yes. And um, Global Citizen, for those that don't know, is a movement to end extreme poverty, and we wanted to build a movement that was based in hope and inspiration rather than guilt and shame. And so the very kind of top line is we created a music festival where you had to take action uh, to earn your tickets. And so in our first year, we had over 300,000 actions and 60,000 people came and joined us on the Great Lawn in Central Park. Um, We had Neil Young, the Black Keys, the Foo Fighters, John Legend sang Imagine, and we leveraged the stage uh, to raise $1.3 billion in new commitments for programs serving the world's poor. And had the largest at that time syndicated broadcast of its kind, so it was on, you know, New York Times homepage, AOL, Yahoo, and I say that to say that, uh, you know, I got very passionate about how do how do we create new mechanisms to bring about awareness in a way that really lands with people. And so, I think with Global Citizen, um, I learned of the power to create with a small team, and and what is what is possible when you when you commit yourself to a, a bold vision. And I remember us uh, sitting down actually um, at the Doses Shop right across from our office in Soho when yes. you when you had uh, uh, we had talked about uh, at that time David Perlmutter's book and you were making your film. And um, God, I just remember sort of the early days of your of your journey and so much has happened for both of us since then, but it's been a real real honor to watch your commitment again and, and, and I know that you have have created a tremendous application uh, through through your voice and your vision and, and the content that you put out in the world. But I think you know it, it, it just goes to show that when you're really committed to something bigger than yourself, um, you can create profound results. And so I was able to witness that with a small team of Global Citizen and then, uh, like you, um, you know, unfortunately, as we approached year three of the festival, which was an exciting time, we had Jay-Z and Beyonce and things were moving. We had built a partnership with the Gates Foundation. Um, I found out that my father, who had been fighting prostate con- cancer through the course of, of, of my my building, Global Citizen, uh, was diagnosed, unfortunately, with uh, with dementia. And so, um at the time, I said, Dad, you know, I knew that my time with him was even even more precious. And I said, Dad, I'll take you anywhere in the world you want to go. And uh, he's a very humble man. So he never took me up on that offer. And so after about six months passed, I said, you know, uh, stamp your passport. And I knew he loved history and I knew he loved nature. So I took him to South Africa, which is one of my favorite countries. Wow. And we spent 10 of the best days of my life together. And, uh... Created memories I'll never forget, and and even as he lost his cognition, he would he would reference those memories. He actually, um, I don't think I've ever shared this story. I gave him um, Long Walk to Freedom, Nelson Mandela's book, when uh, for Christmas that year when we came back, and uh, you know he was he was an incredibly intelligent man. He was actually uh, literally um, had a genius level IQ, um, but at this point, you know he's he's sort of um, drifting further and further away from the shore and as he's holding on he he would read books and he would underline them and he read long walk to freedom so many times that literally the almost the entire book is now underlined and then he wow. regifted it to me uh for that for that christmas and to me obviously it was a symbol but um it was it's it's a tremendous um remembrance for me of 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 who he was and uh the time that we got to share it together wow
0: that's beautiful. How old was he when he was diagnosed, and what were what was the situation like for you surrounding his diagnosis? I mean, had had he had complained of memory problems? Like, what, what did you notice? I've never shared this, but he
1: he said to me something that made me believe that he knew before we knew, which is, you know, he was always. He was a very dedicated i mean i was very fortunate because he was a very dedicated father and i know not everyone has that opportunity Uh, but he said to me at one time he said michael if i ever uh if i ever start losing my mind i never want to be a burden to anyone Mm. and he said if that ever happens take take me to the grand canyon and push me off a cliff and i was like what of course i would never do that but um i think that you know he just, so he just turned eighty years old, and he was diagnosed about a little over, be uh, about six years ago now. Um, but I know the the one other indication I had was he had a friend. He was part of a men's group, uh, and he would do this work with these men. And one of those men was actually um, Doctor Tom O'Brien, who I know you know, and when I was talking with Simon O'Brien about kind of diet and lifestyle and, and, and some of the various things that, uh, that we can do, his girlfriend was with him and she kind of let it slip that, that they had done a scan and they had noticed lesions in his brain. And so those were the two indications that maybe he might've known before we did, but he didn't, he didn't want to burden us, uh, with that, uh, with that information. So, um, You know, as you know, better than anyone. Um, And unfortunately, as far too many people, uh, you know, around the world know, it's a tremendously uh, painful disease. And it it is, uh, it's one that affects the entire family. And so um, he he, he knew, he probably knew about 10 years ago, but we didn't start seeing like acute level symptoms and uh, until about six, seven years ago. Wow. And when was he diagnosed? He was diagnosed uh, six years ago. So it was about the third year. That would have been twenty,
0: yeah, 2013, or two, excuse me, 2013. So what, I mean, you live in LA, where, where is he? He's in Chicago? Chicago, yeah. How has that changed, I mean, your relationship with
1: him? well so at the time i was living in new york uh and working you know sort of 12 hour days on global citizen and then on that trip to south africa uh, global citizen at that stage we were three years in and just secured a 30 million dollar grant with the gates foundation and was in, in very good stead um and at that time given that it's a nonprofit, uh you know i kind of did some soul searching and recognized okay um you know I need to make some life changes because I I, need, I wanted to prioritize, as you did in your own life, uh, spending time with him. And so um, I wound up uh, taking him on... So the South Africa trip, I wound up taking him on a variety of trips um, and that would be our time together. That's so cool. Yeah, I took him through. It was pretty amazing, actually. I took <laughs> him through Southern California on one trip. Wow. I took him up to Big Sur... Uh, we rode uh, six by fours up a mountain and, and went to Yosemite and we got to, you know, uh, go to the Valley. And so my, my, my way of, of kind of honoring him was, spending as much time as I could with him. Um, it, di- it didn't feel uh, right to, to sort of move back to Chicago. And I, I know that he wouldn't have wanted that for me, given what I was looking to build with my life. Yeah. But I also knew that like, you know, if I were living in Chicago, I'd probably see him maybe once a week for dinner. And, and so what I did was I would carve out a week, um, every couple months or a few days, every couple months and fly in and see him or fly him out w- when he still could travel. Now we're kind of beyond that point, but, um, but yeah, I go and see him. I was just there for a week for Thanksgiving, a week for Christmas. So I see him, I see him quite a lot. Um, and you know, he's pretty, he's pretty far along at this point. Um, and it's definitely at a phase where it's it's pretty acutely uh, challenging, um, as you know. But it is amazing. I mean, it, it just really, I would say for for your listeners out there, you know, the the very simplest of things you start to savor. When you see your loved one that far along, you know he. This past trip at Christmas, you know he's he, he he's not uh, highly verbal at this point in terms of, of being able to sort of articulate in a way that, that that most folks would understand, and yet he's so communicative through his way of being, and so uh, he, you know he doesn't always he doesn't always uh, he still remembers who I am and he'll still uh, say Michael and mention my name when I'm when I'm around. But uh, when I was home this last trip, you know, when I'd come up in the morning, because he, he now goes to a, a, a daycare, and when I, when I went up to see him, he, he grabbed me by the face and he said, wonderful. <laughs> and, um, and so I know that he's still there, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a, a, a challenging and at the same time, beautiful
0: journey. I'm always interested to hear how different people... Um, how how dementia manifests differently in different people. You know, they say once you've seen one case of dementia, you've seen one case of dementia. It's just different for everybody. And yeah. so my mom, people would always ask me, you know, does she does she still know who you are? And the answer it's it was it's always a weird question because my mom never didn't know who I was. Yeah. She had a different kind of dementia. It was not Alzheimer's disease, it was something called Lewy body dementia. Yeah. And so it's um it's just, I'm always kind of fascinated, you know, it's, it's obviously heartbreaking, but once you're deep in the throes of it, I mean, you can't help, but, you know, kind of grasp onto the things that you can think about and, and mull over and, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fascinating disease, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's interesting how it manifests so differently in everybody. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's wild
1: to see also how, I mean, uh, I'm sure you've seen, maybe some of your listeners have seen, but like, you know, you watch a movie like Alive Inside and you see, <laughs> yeah you know, The power, and I know you and I are both passionate about music, um, the power, for example, of music to sort of ignite aspects of the brain that we still don't even fully understand. You know, people who have seemingly checked out of reality being brought back in a way that no, no, no pill, no pharmaceutical pill ever could. And how deeply entrained music is into the inner, you know, recesses of our brain. I mean, my dad, when I go home, we listen to music all day. You know what do you listen to? We listen mostly to classical music, but I mean, l- like you, I'm a passionate uh, you know passionate fan of music, and so w- with my dad, I'll I'll actually you know create playlists and go back and <laughs> you know I remember when my dad had an old Cadillac and we used to wash his car and and uh, he would play Neil Diamond eight tracks. So sometimes I'll play Coming to America, you know, because <laughs> that was a song we used to love, um, and uh, you know he loves like Barbra Streisand sand he loves like the out of africa soundtrack he loves you know it's that's that's kind of our way of connecting is i'll go back and and we'll play we'll play music and sit together and uh you know and uh and be with each other and at this stage you know there's not much in the way of conversation although i'll, I'll still i'll sp- still speak with him and i feel like at some level he's uh he's definitely uh still with me um but yeah man it's it's uh it's an incredible it's an incredible journey on a personal level, and then to see, um, as as I know you have as well, to sort of see um, the degree to which this is gonna affect people all around the world. I mean, Mm. with with Global Citizen, you know, we're focusing on diseases, what I'd say, largely sort of 20th century diseases that are are affecting people largely in the developing world, um, uh, like polio and malaria, Uh, and now to see the sort of epidemic globally of, of lifestyle-born disease—you got half the Chinese, nearly half the Chinese population pre-diabetic; nearly half the U.S. population pre-diabetic. More obese people on the planet than non-obese people, and and so that's why I love the work that you're doing, and am committed to sort of sharing the story in a way that hopefully supports people because I think it's such a the cost on every level is so profound, mm. um, personally, societally, you know, in terms of family, um, and I think. You know, it's 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 absolutely essential that a lot more information gets out to empower people to take, you know, their lives and the lives of their family members um, on in a way that can, you know, empower them. And so that's what I love. That's what I love about what you're doing, um, you know, with nutrition and, and, and lifestyle. And I, I hope that a lot more of that um, gets out because as and I know you talk about, but like, you know, the, the chips in, in many ways are stacked against folks. I mean, my dad did sort of the right things, the things he was told, but, you know, he grew up in the Midwest with the, the food pyramid and, you know, meat and potatoes, and but a lot of, you know, genetically modified products, a lot of antacid tablets, a lot of Diet Coke, a lot of the things that, um, you know, a lot of sugar, obviously, um, a lot of the things that really don't serve us um, and you know even if you have obviously a, a genetic predisposition you know you could you can shift that through through epigenetics but you know he wasn't really empowered with that information early enough to to make a difference but, i
0: don't think the previous generations were at all i no. mean my mom was not what what are some of the things i mean that you can recall being salient aspects of your dad's diet and lifestyle oh i
1: mean i think he he lived the you know especially for that generation i mean he was he was you know out and about he was he was he sat a great deal of the time you know as a as a, he was a, a, a fi- he was in finance so he was he worked in an office yeah by uh, the way
0: if you guys are hearing the dog barking in the background uh, try to disregard it it's um I live in a building complex in LA and there's just this dog I guess he's he's not a fan of Alzheimer's either he yeah. he said <laughs> he's
1: saying hello yeah um, Uh, but yeah, so he, 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 you know, I remember when I was a kid, I'd go to his office and we'd go to the, you know, the, the big reward was to go to the soda machine. And, you know, I, he grew up on a steady diet of Diet Coke, uh, you know, with aspartame and all the other things. And, uh, every night I remember before bed, he would, uh, he'd take, you know, antacids and, um, which to me was probably a symptom that something in his gut wasn't necessarily right. Obviously now we know the gut's the sort of enteric nervous system and second brain and, but you know, he didn't have any of that information. So, you know, and I think for a lot of folks, I mean, to speak plainly, I think, you know, food was a a form for him of, uh, of, of therapy, you know, and, and so it was, it was kind of a reward. And so with both, you know, with both my mom and my dad, oftentimes I remember as a kid, you know, when we did something great or we, you know, we were bonding as a family, we'd go off and we'd get ice cream. My dad to this day is is still a huge fan of ice cream. Uh, so, you know, a lot of dairy, a lot of sugar, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of wheat. Uh, I found out later in life, my dad was celiac, obviously. So that didn't, uh, that didn't, that didn't help him that he didn't know that early in the game. Wow. So a lot of the information that we now have and the ability, I mean, I've done, and I, I've shared this with you. I mean, I've done full-on genetic analysis you know tested my microbiome my heart my head I've tested the health of my mitochondria you know like you know you're doing telomere tests (laughs) we have so much more um, ability to really see what's going on internally and he just didn't have that you know And, and he would go to the doctor and like you know you know most doctors and that's not to vilify doctors in any way shape or form but most medical schools don't teach nutrition you know if you're lucky which is you know less than half of medical schools you know they get you know you know a handful of hours on nutrition so they, it just wasn't wasn't done and so he had a st- steady diet of, of pharmaceuticals for whatever symptoms mm-hmm. you know w- were being treated and he ate you know he ate whatever was at the traditional conventional grocery store yeah. and and unlike now where you know you you advise people to sort of shop the outside aisles and get mostly <laughs> whole foods uh, i think you know uh, you know, they, they shop, you know, the, 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 middle aisles and the processed foods that were, that most families I think grow up with.
0: Yeah. I, I love hearing the advice that I give repeated back to me. And, uh, it, it's so humbling because I'm just, you know, there's so many people that are, that are putting really good information out there into the world. I'm just one of them. And I'm so glad that, that my message has, uh, has resonated, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just more people, you know, I'm a big proponent of health literacy and science literacy, and I think that we should all be ex- we should all be as immersed and involved in our health as I am in mine, and that the way that I want to be in the health of my loved ones. So, did you ever start going to doctor's appointments with, with your dad and and taking, you know, uh, I mean, to what degree are you involved in his health these days? I mean, I've
1: been profoundly uh, involved. So, like you, although less publicly, I've gone kind of down down the rabbit hole in terms of research. Um, on the nutrition side but also you know the sort of some of the different lifestyle aspects uh, that have efficacy and in, in, in prevention and so I, yeah i've met and, and, and interviewed you know the dr hyman's pearl mutters the terry walls and and uh and and looked at what we can do from a from a uh, you know a physician point of view and and dr hyman was very gracious to offer to see my dad um I've, I've given, I don't know how many articles I've sent my mom. Um, what I've found, and I know you and I have talked about this, the challenge is, you know, I, my dad has been a gift because he actually has been uh, an inspiration for me to, ch- to radically change my life and behaviors. And the information has been profound for uh, for me in terms of the, the, the diet and lifestyle changes that I've made and will now share out with the world in terms of actually being able to change his diet, to take him to new doctors, you know, my mother's his principal caregiver and God bless her, she has the hardest job in the world. I mean, to be, they've been married now almost 50 years and she's done an absolutely incredible job. And I cannot even imagine um, what it's like to to witness your partner um, drift further and further from the shore. Um, But I think, you know, trying to support, trying to encourage what ultimately requires a pretty drastic, uh, change in lifestyle and behaviors that have been entrained over, you know, at this point, they're 70 years old. It was a, an exercise, I don't want to say in futility, but it was, you know, when, when when my mom's taking care of my dad, I think the last thing she wants to think about is, you know, all the different aspects uh, that that a functional medicine provider would would recommend. I mean, when I talked with Dr. Hyman and shared his recommendations, we're talking about like hyperbaric oxygen. We're talking about a whole protocol that, um, that I've recommended and shared the information around. But ultimately, it's been sort of a spiritual exercise for me to surrender control in saying that, you know, at first I was highly resistant and almost like tried to control, Hey, like, let's get rid of all the sugars. Let's get rid of all Let's put all whole foods in here. You know, let's do all the things that are, you know, I have like, you know, I mean like, you know, like I now have, you know, full spectrum infrared sauna in my house and do oxygenation and do culture. I mean, all, all (laughs) the behaviors that I've, that I've now learned I've, I've, I've recommended. Um, and it's not to say that they it falls on deaf ears. It's just to say I can also I've also learned to compassionately embrace that I am um, not the principal caretaker, and that that job is probably the one of the hardest jobs in the world. Mm. And so, if at the end of the day, my mom wants to give my dad ice cream because it's one of the few things that he loves and enjoys, and it's something that she loves and enjoys, instead of being in resistance to that because of you know the fact that I know it's probably not helping matters, I've now sort of embraced the joy that they're creating for themselves um, where they're at. So I think meeting people where they're at is is central. Um, and the gift has been that it's been an awakening for me and for many people around me. But as, as you know, because I know we've spoken about this, trying to control anyone in this very challenging task of behavior change is uh, immensely challenging.
0: Yeah, you can't control anybody. No. I mean, it's hard enough to control yourself. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Spot on. And yeah. I mean, it, it's it's come to me. I mean, it, to be, and that's why I say actually, I don't know. I I try to look at almost any challenge now. You know, Ryan Holiday has a great book, "The Obstacle Is the Way." You know, I try to look at any chal- challenge as an opportunity. Um, but I don't know if I hadn't. Born witness to what's going on with my dad. And I wonder if this is true with you, with your mom, um, if I would have implemented the, the sort of 360 degree lifestyle. And by the way, I'm in no, by no means perfect, but, um, you know, literally moved, um, across the country. Cause I knew that, that, uh, the lifestyle from here, for me here in California was way healthier. And the people I could surround my with and the practitioners, et cetera, would support me in, in my own journey. But, uh, But I I feel like the challenge of 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 maintaining that lifestyle is 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 a profound one. I'm so grateful to have found it. But it's not easy if you if you're indoctrinated and have been been sort of um, Besieged as yeah. we all are by the commercials, and I mean, there's there's some very powerful uh, companies that have very strong vested interests in maintaining the status quo. You know, I mean, like whether or not I mean, there's large Big Ag, Big Pharma. There's very large entities, and I have loved ones that work within them, and they're and they're wonderful people. But you've got to think, you know, there are companies that it's their fiduciary responsibility to maximize shareholder gains. So, yep. so it's not necessarily in their best interests to to um, you know make some of the recommendations that are optimal for our health because they have products to sell. Those products may or may not be the best for us. Uh, But I think becoming as you have, you know, well, you're, you're actually a journalist, but, you know, becoming a sort of a citizen journalist and researcher, I think is profoundly valuable in navigating through some of this information. And, And, and I think it's wonderful that for example you're putting out this podcast because now we're empowered with tools which before did not exist and these voices can be amplified. Yeah. Which is what I'm gonna do with Peak Mind is share out your voice and the voices of all these different incredible researchers, you know, thought leaders, performers, um, you know, from the Dalai Lama to Laird Hamilton to Dr. Hyman to yourself. I want I'm gonna put that information out in a way that that people are more empowered to take their their lifestyle on in a way that supports them in their in their
0: sort of health and wellness journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's so important. We're confronted from every conceivable angle with misinformation, corporate interest, bias. Um, it's just it's really kind of like an onslaught, mm-hmm. and. When it comes to synthesizing all of this information so that you can arrive at some kind of like semblance of how to live a healthy, optimized life and avert these kinds of horrible diseases for which there is no meaningful treatment, you know, why do that when you could take a pharmaceutical and, you know, ignore the laundry list of potential side effects. But, you know, maybe it's as easy as just like taking a pill. I don't know what your experience has been with, you know, these medications that are typically prescribed for people with Alzheimer's disease, but they're usually not efficacious at all. No. In fact,
1: I mean, I would say oftentimes don't help. I mean, so for example, and I'm sure you've spoken about this in previous episodes. I won't go into great detail, but like trying to convince my mom to take my dad off statins, which is not generally speaking. I'm obviously not a doctor, and nor am I making any medical rec- recommendations. But you know, statins in general are not uh, the best medicine for someone who's taking, you know, who, who's been diagnosed with with dementia you know and it it can starve the brain of some some of the essential nutrients and healthy cholesterols that it that it actually needs but but you know when you when you're when you're from a generation where doctors have been venerated to the degree that they have been and and you take them because they're board certified and went to the you know the best the best university and etc then it's hard to say it's hard to say oh okay well I'm not gonna trust that person. Um, even though many of those people and not to vilify doctors obviously are have have I mean the pharmaceutical contra you know companies are oftentimes financially remunerating you know uh, doctors for for those prescriptions so it you know the kind of chips are definitely stacked against and it requires a whole new a whole new school of thinking and information to move from what i would call sort of this tw- you know this 20th century paradigm of 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 infectious disease treatment to what I what I ca- would call the sort of the necessary paradigm shift for 21st century lifestyle and living, right? I mean, like, I think across the board, whether you look at our education system, which was based on industrial capitalism, you know, our, our healthcare system, many of our systems were based on, uh, on an antiquated way of being, which was very much um, grounded in the benefit of industrial capitalism. And now we're living in a brave new world, uh, and we need to empower ourselves with information that is available but oftentimes there are very powerful very financially (laughs) abundant interests that are not um, that are not there to uh, see that you have that empowered information and in fact it's it's, uh, directly in opposition to their interests so I think You know it's critical what you're doing and what so many of these you know these these other folks you know around the world are doing who are starting to raise their voice and say hey let's go back to to what really works what has efficacy and we know that food is medicine you know we know that you know diet and lifestyle are central obviously to what uh and i remember because i lived in in sri lanka the buddha said you know of all wealth health is greatest and best you know (laughs) i mean it's like you can be an absolute billionaire um, and and our culture sort of celebrates and ex- exalts wealth, and I'm not against wealth by any means, but you know, but without health, you know, what, what do you do with that? Very little. I mean, I know, I can imagine Steve Jobs, you know, was obviously an incredible business leader, would have probably given away his billions in a heartbeat to to be able to live, you know, another year. And so, I think this is actually in some way the most valuable resource that we can have because it's it's the thing, you know, it's, it's the most
0: valuable thing that, that, that you have in your life, right? Yeah. If, you have he- if you don't have your health, you have, you have nothing. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. When you were talking about, you know, giving your dad the ice cream, like, there were moments towards the end of my mom's life where I would, you know, at a certain point, it becomes important for the patient to have calories. Yeah. You know, so we're, th- we're here talking about, like, extra virgin olive oil, avoid <laughs> grain and seed oils, <laughs> totally. right? Avoid sugar. Yeah. For a person at end of life, Calories are what that person needs, yeah. you know? So I, I would go to, there's a, a very famous in New York, like a pastry shop, Vineros, I think it's called. It's on, uh-huh. like, it's on the Lower East Side. And I would buy my mom key lime pie cupcakes and yep and cannolis and just anything to get her to eat because her appetite, the, you know, she had no appetite. Yeah. And she was losing weight at, you know, at a dramatic rate. And I would be so happy, you know, every, any spoon that I would be able to feed her with food on it, I would be so grateful for, and just to you know, like to see her smile and enjoy something in those in those later months. And I, I would give anything, anything, to have you know another day, another hour with her. It's just, um, I mean, health is just so. There's this quote, and I, you know, at risk of sounding cliche, it's it's a little hallmarky, but it's a, a, a well person has a thousand dreams, and a sick person has one dream, mm. and that applies to the family members as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think disease is not something that just, you know, that happens in isolation. Not at all. We're part of this vast web. And yeah, I mean, you owe it to the people that love you to stay healthy, to get your ass up and get to the gym and to buy healthier, high quality food. Yeah. You you actually just triggered
1: something. So I I haven't shared this, but when I, so when I was 19, I actually lived in Sri Lanka and I I studied with an Ayurvedic uh, healer. And I studied a particular branch of Ayurvedic medicine called Bahutavidya. Um and what you just said is so powerful, right? Because we we have a worldview that is so individual centric, um, but oftentimes, and beyond physical health, actually me- mental health also, which which obviously they're not they're not in a vacuum, right? They're t- they're totally interdependent, um, is 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 becoming an, an epidemic as well, but. This particular form of medicine recognized, you know, in Sri Lanka, in that particular tradition, there's no word for privacy and there's no word for possession. And so when a first person fell ill, obviously we're not we're talking about sort of beyond the confines of a traditional like broken bone or like, you know, a cold, mm-hmm. which would be treated with, you know, traditional uh, medicines. When someone fell kind of out of balance with the community, it was the role of the whole community to bring them in because they knew that... Ostensibly, we are uh, only as strong as the family that's with us, and so what you said is so is so powerfully true. And it is, you know, we live in this kind of vacuum of of, of individuality, which in some ways um, is is incredibly empowering, but in other ways, you know, a lot of people feel feel lost, feel alone, feel depressed, and oftentimes that leads to their consumption of things that don't serve them, whether that be foods that don't serve them or drugs and alcohol what have you and i think as we all kind of make moves uh to empower ourselves in our health i think doing so in community and the and the power and accountability of community like i've loved in my own journey uh the ability to you know pick up the phone call you you know or check on you like when 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 you know things things got you know Pretty t- tough with your mom, you know. I was like, you know, if, if this were going on with my dad, I'd love it if someone called me. So I feel like we've got to also look out for each other and have each other's backs. And you know, there's there's nothing more powerful in behavior change in my experience than having an accountability person or someone that that that, that spurs you on uh, to take your health to the next level. And uh, you know, I want to, you know, I definitely honor you because you've been helpful for me in my own journey, and I know for many others and uh you know i just encourage people if they're if they're on it and we all are if they're on a health journey to to find those around them whether it be a community or a best friend to support them in uh in taking action um to to take their health to the next level yeah
0: matt um i just want to when you were talking you made me think of a tweet um that i liked it just came across my, my feed earlier and uh I really liked it, it was by Matt Nathanson, who's a friend of mine, and he was on the podcast. He's a, he's a very talented singer-songwriter, and he basically says, I wish everybody could have actual self-respect, not ego, not bravado, not judgmental vitriol. I wish everyone could feel empowered and worth it, because if we all actually felt that way, we would have so much more bandwidth to be cool to each other. We're all so strapped for self-love that when we get a sliver of power, most of us can't not misuse it. There's no sense of moderation alcohol sugar sex god guns technology everyone's filling the holes in themselves with too much of the wrong shit so i thought that was uh you know i mean shout out to matt nathanson but i thought that it was a really sort of poignant way to think about this stuff that we all have these kind of holes these gaps and um we can point there there are probably you know any number of smoking guns in the modern world but we tend to want to fill them with like the sugar and the processed foods, and the you know being sedentary, and reaching for, you know, entertainment that's more junk food in terms of actual nutrition for our intellects. One hundred percent. And um, yeah, I think we can all do a little bit a little bit better, myself included. Yeah. You know, all of us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the super powerful uh, and poignant quote, and and to sort of bring it back. You know, it actually just triggered for me. You, know, my sort of dark night of the soul when I first moved to California. I don't think I've shared this. I actually moved out here with a girlfriend at the time, and uh, without going into great detail, left behind my entire life where I was very well supported and had, you know, had a gallery and was performing Capoeira and had a great job and my family, etc., and moved to, across the country where I knew no one with my girlfriend at the time. And within two weeks of us living together, she wound up cheating on me, and the degree to which that impacted me. Uh, In terms of feeling less than or or not particularly whole and the degree to which I look to fill that hole exactly as you said with with, you know, foods, uh, alcohol at the time, things that didn't serve me uh, was it kind of spun me out, you know, and I think all of us have these, you know, all of us have challenges in life. No one gets out, as they say, unscathed, you know, And, (laughs) and the question is, how do you use that fuel? And one of the things that really served me was I saw a gentleman who basically said you know let those challenges be the compost you know let let that let the let the shit in your life basically uh be the fuel wow. for for a new garden and one of the things i and the reason i i have such profound love for my dad and will always have his back is he actually flew out um from chicago at that time this is pre-dementia and he had gone through a, a, a process with a group of men, including Tom O'Brien, which is actually um, a gentleman in his men's group. And they did something called the Mankind Project. And they sponsored me to go through this journey. And this is a whole nother topic. But, you know, I think what, what we see a lot is and what I saw in Sri Lanka was there were rites of passage that would sort of support you in your own journey into wholeness. Or what would be called mythologically the process of individuation and my dad in this group of 150 men he was the only father that flew out and he was he was there basically to have my back to kind of see me through what was ostensibly a ritual rebirth and and I built my my myself back up slowly over time uh, but the degree to which that was so meaningful for me that that one person you know saw that I was at my low point and took it upon himself to fly out and show up. It was something that is indelibly marked Hmm. in my heart, you know, and the reason why I feel so um, profoundly connected to my dad. And I feel like that's the gift that we can all be for each other. You know, it's like oftentimes we look to these things outside ourselves to, um, to numb those parts that feel less than whole, and I think when we when we have each other's backs, um, you know, the best thing you can do when you're feeling down is actually be of service to someone else, mm. and I think when we do that, it's a lot easier to get on all the external all the external things that we know are actually healthy for us because we're not operating from a place of, of feeling less than, or, um, feeling like we're trying to fill something within ourselves that isn't actually broken. And so I didn't anticipate going there (laughs) in our conversation, but I just feel inspired by that because I think so much of what we see in the world and so much of the challenges that besiege us as it relates to health and wellness actually relate to us at times feeling like an Island and going to things outside ourselves that don't serve us to feel less like we're, we're an Island. And so, you know, that, that notion of connection and community and and what you're building here in terms of, you know, all the people, including myself, that, that look to your, your great guidance and, and many of the others in the space, I I just feel like when we have each other's backs um, that health journey is, 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 is much more uh,
0: empowered. Hmm. Beautiful. Well, we're almost out of time, man. But um, I just want you, to, you know, to thank you for sharing and, uh, you know, being a light. I'm super excited, you know, to be friends with you. And I'm excited for what you're going to create with Peak Mind. Um, any way that I can help, any way that my community can help, you know, uh, feel free to, to lean on us. Thanks, brother. Yeah, we're here for you. Um, so before we wrap um, and I ask you the, the final question, uh, which I ask to everybody who is on this show, where can listeners connect with you, um, you know, on the internet or yeah. in real life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just at Michael trainer um, Instagram on, on Instagram. But the best way I think for, for the audience is you can find me on PeakMind. mind, P E A K M I N D.org. And um, if, if uh, you opt in there, I'm, I'm, just providing free resources so i did an event with the dalai lama there's a meditation that's available there i'm about to launch a couple of pdfs around nootropics and some of the supplements that uh, that i've found that have really helped me to sort of enhance my cognition and uh, another one around mitochondrial health and just a variety of tools and then all of the different interviews um with yourself and a variety of, of what I call the peak minds on the planet, um, across the health and wellness space. So if, if, uh, if people are interested in, in continuing up, you can either hit me up directly or, or find me there.
0: Peak Dope. Uh, Michael Trainer. what does it mean to you to live like a genius? What is what does living a genius life mean to you? I think
1: living a genius life to me is living a life in gratitude because I think, you know, there's there's, when we we come from a place of gratitude, it's impossible to hold on to the things that do not serve us. And, you know, I've done, like you, a bunch of research um, around health and wellness. Um, But I would say, particularly as it relates to gratitude, to count our blessings as it relates to the people in our life. Um, Because, you know, Harvard's longest longitudinal study, um, you know, showed that it's actually the quality of our relationships that have the greatest correlation on our long-term health. Mm. And so for me, a genius life is one where at the end of the day, you know, on our deathbed, uh, at least it's my hope that I look back and I, I can say, you know, I, I left the world a little bit better than when I came in. And that I, that I was there for the people that I loved and that loved me. And that we had a lot of fun along the way. Uh, and so, for me, a genius life is one built on shared experiences, quality shared
0: experiences with the people you love. It's one of the reasons why I decided to move back to LA from New York, because one of the most profound, um, you know, insights that I was able to glean from the, I mean, the the experience that I had with my mom, and you know, the the, the tragedy of that is that life is really short. And you should spend it around the people that you love. Yeah. And um, that applies to family, but that also applies to friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most of my friends are in Los Angeles, you being one of them. And, um, and you know, I decided that I just didn't want to be away uh, for any longer. And I'm also trying to move the rest of my family out to L.A. as well because, you know, I don't want to be away from what remains of my family. So it's... Uh, it's um, you know, definitely, uh, I think it's important, you know, tell the people that you love that you love them regularly as, as awkward as it may seem. Um, that, that hits me with one one last thing I want to share, which
1: is, um, my mom had this beautiful piece of wisdom, which is, I think she actually had this sewn on a pillow, uh, on her sofa, which is friends are the family you choose for yourself. (laughs) And, uh, I think, you know, there's family and then there's also family and your friends are your family. And I think, you know, one of the other pieces I've seen, just as it relates to what we shared is, you know, I, as we confront death, which we all must, and hopefully that turns into an impetus for living, but there's a, there's an incredible researcher out of Stanford. And he said, you know, I think it's actually based on a, a Hawaiian, um, tradition, but where, wherever you've fallen out of balance i would say with with a loved one or a family member and i think many many of us have at times it's saying four things which are simple but profound medicine which is please forgive me i forgive you thank you i love you and having that be a process to clear Um, and they they use it, especially in like palliative care and, and, and getting closure, uh, Mm. oftentimes with folks and loved ones and family members before they pass. But I think it's a beautiful exercise to do throughout life because I think unequivocally our health is better when we're, we're at, we're in a place of resonance or not holding on to things that don't serve us. And like you said, you know, family and friends, they're, they're the true wealth. Um, so, um, if that's a value, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm striving to
0: implement in my own life. Huge value. We're gonna keep your dad in our thoughts. What's your dad's name, by the way? John Milton Trainer. John Milton Trainer. Yes. What a name! He is. Uh, That's like a '50s
1: name. <laughs> he is. He was John Milton Trainer the third, and he was like, "My son will not be John Milton Trainer the fourth. We're gonna we're gonna call you Michael." But he is, and I'll just say this because I want to honor him. Um, the beauty of my dad is that he is pure light, even even in his dementia the way that he shows up he sees a child he sees a dog he says thank you to everyone it's a word he has and that's why i say gratitude is the key to a genius life that word he has not lost and it's literally the word he leads with with everyone i mean we literally watched star wars and he got up and he (laughs) even in a state of dementia he saw that the dad was being kind to his little girl and he just said thank you great work
0: (laughs) oh my god love your parents guys Yeah. Man. Love him up. Love him up. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, brother. appreciate your time. To all you guys out there listening in podcast land, feeling this, please take a moment to share Michael's story. Take a screen grab, post it up on your Instagram stories, tag Michael trainer, tag myself. Let me know how you felt about this episode. This is important stuff, you guys. And, uh, I mean, to be totally honest, I don't know a single person who hasn't been touched in some way by, by dementia. It's becoming increasingly uh, prevalent. And, you know, it's certainly going to become more so, if nothing else, in the coming years. So this is a, a, an incredibly important topic. And, yeah, just I can't underscore enough. Tell the people that you love that you love them. And, of course, take care of yourselves. That is critical. I will uh, catch you all on the next episode. Peace.